If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Tuesday, everybody. One and all, June 23rd here on the Full Court Press. Beautiful afternoon here in Logan, Utah. Thanks for joining us, however and wherever you are, on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM and 106.9thefan.com. Uh, if you are wanting to be involved in the show, you're more than welcome to participate by texting in at 435-339-0321. Uh, we'll get your text. We don't know who it is, so we don't have your name. So if you say, hey, AJ sucks, please keep AJ. I have I don't know if your name is Bob, Joe, or Jimothy. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely have your phone number and I'll give you a call. No, I'm kidding. I won't. Uh, and then uh, as well as we'll have... Uh, um, our phones, uh, excuse me, our phone lines open for at least for a little while at four three five seven five two one zero six nine. If you want to call in now, all data rates apply to your uh, per contract per your service to whoever it was. So if, if you have unlimited texting, you can text in all you want. So four three five three three nine zero three two one to text in four three five seven five two one zero six nine to call in. Uh, a lot to get to. Baseball, as you've just heard, is on its way to coming back. Finally, finally, I've come to an agreement where they'll play sixty games. Working on the health and protocol for the safety of the players. Other than that, you'll see baseball next week on July 1st. Bubba Wallace and the investigation of the noose that was hanging in the garage stall has come to a finding and investigation result. It is bizarre to say the least and doesn't make sense. We'll get into that. Chris Vanini of The Athletic will join us at 4.30 to talk about college football, the status of college football, where it's at now, especially with the cases rising, and where will we be at? On week one, will we have college football at week one? And where will we have fans? AJ crosses his fingers, as does the thousands and thousands of fans around the country, including in the SEC conference. Uh, so, again, a lot to get to. We're grateful to have you guys join us. 401 was our kickoff time, 403 is our time right now here in Logan, Utah, on a beautiful day, uh, 85 degrees and clear. So, hope you're having a great day and uh, hope you enjoy our show this evening. Uh, the investigation for Bubba Wallace has come to a conclusion, and it's the one of the most bizarre ones, if you, if you could be so honest to say. Um, if, if for all those who may have not heard or forgot or been hiding underneath the rock, Bubba Wallace uh, walked into his garage stall the day of a race and found a noose hanging in his garage stall. It set off alarms everywhere and outrage everywhere, including from the NASCAR commissioner. And they put out a statement that they were disgusted and outraged by the situation. Fair. In fact, there was a solidarity where the NASCAR drivers, each and every single one of them, were walking side by side by the car or pushing the car with Bubba Wallace inside of it. Richard Petty met him outside the car uh, to console him as he was, uh, of course, overwhelmed with emotion. Then came today and the FBI's investigation. NASCAR statement, quote, the FBI has completed its investigation of Talladega Super Speedway and determined that Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. The FBI report concludes and photographic evidence confirms that the garage door pull rope fashioned like a noose and had been positioned there since as early as last fall. This was obviously well before the 43 team's arrival in garage assignment. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation and are thankful to learn that this was not an intentional racist act against Bubba. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all who love racing. End quote. AJ, something doesn't smell right here. Am I the only one? I agree with you. Uh, just a quick correction on what you said. 
and maybe Gottlieb got it wrong. Well, Gottlieb was on right before the full court press. He said, so Bubba Wallace didn't find it. Somebody else didn't reported it. Here's what here's what's weird to me. So I think it's a combination of the emotions of the world situation. And to be honest, a stereotype still heaped on NASCAR. I mean, the Confederate flag was flown over uh, Talladega yesterday. We talked about that yesterday afternoon. But I think that's what made this catch fire so fast. But if it's a common thing, didn't somebody ask to see it? Ask a couple questions? Yeah. That, yeah. Because I, I, forgive me, I don't know what it is. I probably would have assumed it's a noose too, but I'm not obviously an NASCAR driver, not in the garages. And if they say it's a common thing, the door pull, which apparently it is, shouldn't somebody have been like, hey, maybe that's, and apparently that's what also the testimony that kind of led to the FBI's findings too is somebody that was in the garage last year was like, could it be this? And reports where they were like, oh, yeah, maybe. Okay, so I have another question with this. In fact, we, you and I both have a lot of questions. One, if the noose has been hanging there since last fall, and don't people like go in and check the garage stalls? Hey, let's make sure they're cleaned out. Let's make sure they look good. I think. Like something isn't making sense here. Now, here's the FBI statement on this as well. Quote, on Monday, 15 FBI special agents conducted numerous interviews regarding the situation at Talladega Super Speedway. After a thorough review of the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that though that no federal crime was committed. The FBI learned that a garage number four, where the noose was found, was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed evidence, including authentic video confirmed by NASCAR, that the noose found in a garage number four was in that garage as early as October 2019. Although the noose was now known to have been in the garage number four in 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned a garage number four last week. The decision not to pursue federal charges is proper after reviewing all available facts and all applicable federal laws. We offer our thanks to NASCAR, Mr. Wallace, and everyone who cooperated in with this investigation. And quote that, of course, is coming from the FBI. Again, though, it. So they, they are they claiming that they didn't know that that rope was in there until now, even though it's been hanging in there the, since last October. The only thing that I could think is that. Maybe it was, and someone saw it, and it wasn't out of place, and then one person, the right person just happened to see it and be like, oh my gosh, there's a noose in here. Okay, so but wait, just- I want to know what the, okay, and this sounds really horrible of me to say, but what did the noose look like? That's what I'm saying. I- like, if it's hanging from a garage door, aren't you going to be like, oh, that looks like a noose? I mean, you, I mean, it's going to hit you. You're not going to just look at it and think nothing. There's no way, uh, am I wrong? I don't, I don't know. Like I said, if it's a common thing, which reports, some of the reports out are that it basically, that's what it, the was discovered is somebody who was in the garage before was like, oh, is it a door pull? And they were like, oh, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Why shouldn't have somebody, I don't know, asked a question and been like, hey, maybe this is what it is? or so, I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm with you. There's... Somewhere along the lines, it feels like there's something that doesn't completely make com- total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an odd conclusion to this investigation. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to downplay the the act of solidarity between NASCAR and Bubba Wallace yesterday, no, two ago. Uh, I thought it was awesome and it was well done. But man, that is a really odd conclusion to this. And it, and it just kind of makes you more weary. And, and and by the way, because it's Twitter, and Twitter world is absolutely gross and disgusting, like, you sh- don't read the replies to the to NASCAR suite. Because it's, it's not all that charming. 
<laughs> if you will. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not that good. So again, uh, the findings to the investigation done on the noose that was hanging in Bubba Wallace's garage stall was not from anybody of NASCAR that had been hanging there since last October of 2019. That just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Uh, speaking of which, uh, did you watch the uh, rest of the race last night in Talladega? I did not. So I get home and uh, I turn on my TV and because I had read some Twitter things that said, oh, if you're not watching NASCAR, you should right now. So I, I turn it on. And uh, it's an overtime. Yeah, NASCAR has an overtime. I did not know I, that. Go figure. I, I, yeah. So they have an overtime. And then at the end, and then coming on to the final stretch of the lap, um, there's a wreck. And the guy who gets wrecked nearly, nearly finishes in first. Nearly spins out into first place. That's how nuts this thing was. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was was climbing up into first. In fact, had that first place lead. Then a wreck happens, and for some reason, Stenhouse somehow gets slowed down. And Ryan Blaney comes on. He holds on to the lead. It was after a restart with two laps to go. Uh, it's his second straight win at Talladega Super Speedway on a day that began, you know, with the whole NASCAR situation. So it was already an emotional day. And then you have the ending to that. It was just unreal. In fact, it was, uh, I believe it's Armiria. I can't, I can't say is I think Eric is or Arik is his first name, but he spun at the end and he crossed the line almost backward. But again, AJ, he nearly finished in first place, spinning out of control. Like Stenhouse had slowed down. Blaney just like hits the pedal at the right time and gets, I mean, just inches, inches to finish in the first place. Uh, by the way, if for you NASCAR maniacs, Ford has now won nine of the last 10 cup races at Talladega, and all three Team Penske drivers have won this season. So uh, pretty impressive there uh, in uh, in NASCAR. Again, they uh, they hold on to the candlelight while other sports try to get their crap together. Speaking of which, Eric, or not Eric, AJ, sorry, I love you. That gets us to our next topic. As we had just heard already, the Major League ba- Baseball Players Association has informed MLB players to report on July that they will report on July 1st for July 24th opening day. 60 games in 66 days. Now, they're both still working, as we already mentioned, on the safety and health protocol situation. Um, but uh, that'll, that'll be improved upon as we go forward and we get to July 24th. But, AJ, we are going to have baseball. I mean, I didn't think we weren't going to. I mean, I guess there's a chance. I didn't think that was where it was going to get to. But in all honesty, like, I feel like, one, the season's too late. And two, aren't you just kind of fatigued a little bit? Just because oh, yeah. I, it, it, this, it, it, and then it wasn't agreed, right. and then here's the season. No, that's disagree. It's just kind of over. I'm kind of over baseball. So, okay, so here's a, yeah, here's a question for you because your Cubs will be there. Uh, you, we, we, we think that they'll be contenders. Think, yeah, we'll cross your fingers. Yeah, I know you hear it from Cubs fans every year, right? But baseball's coming back. I know we have like that. It's like it's like that one girl, right? Where you're like, you know what? She broke my heart. I'm never talking to her ever again. Hate her guts. And then the next day she comes down and she goes, Hey, how are you? And you're like, oh, Hi, how are you? It feels like forever. And you just start having a conversation because you forget that you hated it in the first place. That's gonna be baseball. We're pissed right now. We miss sport. But, but AJ, we miss sports so much that we need it back so badly that we're going to go back to that girlfriend who we hated so badly, and, and it's going to come back. And we're gonna be like, I love you. Thank you so much for coming back. That's 
I think that assumption only plays out true is if basketball doesn't come back when it's supposed to. If basketball doesn't come back, then yeah, baseball, I think it's a real chance. But honestly, at this point, I think baseball has done, still, even with it coming back, has done a fair amount of damage to its fandom. Do you, and I'm with you, and I understand your point, but I still feel like fans are going to be like, you know what, forget it. I need sports, all right, and it's July 24th. Basketball doesn't start for another week. Um, We need it. I, I'm 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 back, baseball. You got me. I think that's true until something else comes along. I don't think it's that one okay. girl that you. So hate. when basketball comes back on July 30th, yeah. you're gonna say, okay, baseball's gonna take a big, big step back. Baseball, if anything, is going to be the the girl that hangs around or guy, whatever, <laughs> until you find something better. You're just biding your time because you don't want to be alone. That's why I think baseball's done damage, is because casual fans which is who you generally talk about in terms of the criticism for the sport and why it's so important for baseball to have the summer when all the other sports are out for their offseason. Casual fans will check in. Baseball has blown its casual fan season. Because, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. the, the love for sports, sure. I'm sure NASCAR's seeing better numbers now because it's on and there's nothing else. Baseball, if it has <laughs> a day or two or a week or however long it is, people will check in, but they're not going to stick around. As soon as something comes on, I'm, I'm leaving baseball. Will you though? Yep. Can, including playoffs. Uh, football, football trumps baseball playoffs. Oh, absolutely. Not even wow. close. Wait, 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 wait. All wait, forms wait, of wait, football. Wait, wait, wait. No. Yep. No. Yep. Playoff baseball is better than regular season football. Nope. It is not. It is. It, How is it not? Because the top two sports in America are pro and college football. If you have one and two, not when not when playoff baseball is going on. Okay, if you're in Chicago, are you going to go watch the Chicago Bears in a football game, or go watch the NLCS of the Cubs versus the Nationals? I mean, I am a Cubs fan, so I would go to the championship okay, series. Okay, however, there you go. However, okay, if we're not it's talking game about six, me. Oh no, we are talking about you because you're a baseball guy. You I are like from baseball. Chicago. You you have a loyalty to Chicago sports. There are fake Chicago fans, and there are real Chicago fans. <laughs> Eric and you are real Chicago Cubs fans. Okay, yes. so let me ask you this: Game six of the NLCS, Cubs Nationals. Or are you gonna watch the Bears and Packers on TV? Ooh, well, you picked the Packers. I'm flipping between both of them. At no, that. no, yes, yes, I am. You get one channel to switch to, <laughs> and then you and then you know, and then your remote dies. In all honesty, I'd probably watch football, dude. That is amazing, and that's a horrible decision. It's not baseball's problem. Is baseball so slow. you're gonna that's miss Cubs issue. Nationals NLCS Game Six to watch? Sunday football of Bears and Packers? I like how you put some staying on that. The Bears-Packers is probably one of the oldest rivalries in the okay, history of dude. sports. It, it was a rivalry when they, when both teams were good. One team sucks and one team's good. And Packers are overrated, first of all. Uh, high Super Bowl. Football, how do you do? Yeah, Rodgers has won one. And the Bears have won? One. In when? 1985. I just wanted to make that clear. So the Packers are heads and tails ahead because they win one also just more recently? Okay, no, they've won more than one. Who won the first two Super Bowls in NFL Super Bowl history? Okay, now, so how no. can you? No, okay, that's no, makes that's, no, no, sense. no, I'm just trying to point out what you were telling me. I'm just saying that. 
You they said are. you said that you're arguing like, oh, out it doesn't of both matter. Sides like, of your okay. mouth. Well, in that case, the Packers won two here. Your argument oh, is and then the they Packers? won in '97, four to one. Your argument, okay? Your would you pick an <laughs> argument, and I'll tell you why you're wrong, as opposed to picking every argument. Okay. Your argument okay, can't fair be the 1985. Fair enough. Was you want to go there? Enough. Sure, we'll go there. Uh, they have four more Super Bowls than the Bears, four to one. Okay, so historically, that's great. I hate the argument of history because. You as a fan don't know what the Packers didn't watch the Packers when they won the first two. It doesn't matter. That doesn't even matter what you didn't or watch or what. What argument watch. do you want? So they've won four. So no, you just told so me Dallas that it then, matters that I didn't Dallas watch the Packers in '67 and '69. Okay, I'll you're telling me the back Washington to- Redskins. The Washington Redskins are one of the premier franchises in the NFL because they have more Super Bowls than most teams. Premier? You don't know what that means then. Your argument is that the Packers have four, so they're amazing. No, this is Packers versus Bears. I'm telling you why the Packers franchise are the Redskins better than the great. Bears. Have the Redskins won four Super Bowls? They've won more than one. Have they won four? That's my question. I'm, that's not the question I'm asking. You yeah, why are you my... asking? I don't know. Because no, I'm trying to figure because out Because the your Packers won is. the first two Super Bowls. Okay. They won two more. That's more than the Redskins have. The Redskins have what? One? Two. Two. They won back to back. Okay, so the Packers doubled them. So I take the Packers. Over I'm the Redskins. not talking about the. You're not even. Yes, listening. you are. No, you just asked you just about said, it. Okay, here is your argument. The Packers are better than the Bears because they have four Super Bowls. The Bears won. My question is: Are the Redskins a better franchise than the Bears? Because based on your merit, oh, okay. the Redskins have more Super Bowls. Oh, and the argument you're asking be, about. No, oh, sorry, the you're, are one you're of the stuck worst on the Bears still. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the the Redskins are better than the Bears. Oh, this discussion's over. That's the most ridiculous opinion to have. The Redskins are a terrible franchise. Two seven seven six. Give him a call in there with AJ. I bet she has better sports arguments. I highly doubt it because I'm winning right now. What? What do you mean? The Redskins have one of the. They had one of the greatest offensive lines. No, wait, sorry, the greatest offensive line. In NFL history. The Bears had one of the greatest defenses in NFL history. Great. Wonderful. I still take John Riggins and the Hogs over that Bears defense. So that so they had one great position group for a stretch of and time. And the Bears had one good defense? Uh, the Bears have a history. The, really? A history? The history of really? middle linebackers, yes. Oh, man. Butkiss. One position. Yeah, there you go. Here we you, go. You pick an argument Here and then we I go. tell you why your no, argument's wrong. No, no, I yes, don't. Look, do. I'll dance with you on this argument. You want to talk about one position? Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Wow. L3. Okay, two of them are Hall of Famers. One's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Would you, so what's your argument? I'm trying to make your argument. I'm not sure what <laughs> no you're sense. all over the place I'm, right now. I'm you all are all over the place. place. This is the most yeah, you just told ever. me. No, you okay, you said Bears versus Redskins. I took Redskins. Then you were like, oh well, they have the greatest position of linebacker ever. They do. Well, so does the oh, the Packers have the greatest Wonderful. position of quarterback. I don't think it matters. Who cares if they have the greatest quarterback? You're the one that said because they have the greatest greatest linebacker. A quarterback has more impact on a game than a linebacker does. This argument is just ridiculous. You started this. No, you said the Redskins had the most... Best offensive line ever. You started it. Yeah. No. That has you no said, impact. That's hey, what you okay. said. Yeah, I said that. Hold on. I said because you said, well, who's better, the Redskins or the Bears? I said the Redskins. The Bears. You fl- And why would you take the Bears? The Washington Redskins are a national embarrassment. Dan Snyder oh my, is okay, consistently. Why would you take the Bears over the Redskins? 
They are much more historically greater franchise. Oh they have one of the greatest owners that's well known. They're one of the original franchises. I mean, I can keep going. Chicago's a better city than Washington, D.C. What else do you want? So the you one- have yet to give me one on-the-field tactic that gives the Bears an advantage over the Redskins. Or we're just talking outside of the stadium. Oh, they have better <laughs> hot dogs. They have better brats. They have better tailgating. Oh, they have better cheerleaders. Their stuntmen do more tricks. Halftime shows are better. That's where we're going with this. The Chicago Bears are an all-time much better, not even close franchise than the Washington Redskins. Off the field. Every way. No, 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 you just gave me every reason off the field. Give me a reason on the field. Give me a reason on the field that the Bears are better than the Redskins in franchise. Because they actually matter. The Bears matter. What the hell does that mean? They actually matter. What are you talking about? Try again. Try again. (laughs) Are you going to let me finish an answer? Sure, go. The Chicago Bears matter to the NFL. The Washington Redskins could disappear. No one would care. Why Why would you think The Washington that? Redskins had why, two Super Bowls and have no other historical. Why would you think that they would disappear and no one would care? Because it's not an important franchise. They're an embarrassment what? as a team. They're an embarrassment for an owner. Oh they contribute gosh, nothing. Dude, this is so. Like, you, you still have not given me a legit good reason why the Bears are better than the Redskins on the field. Other than you said they're an embarrassment, your owner's they better. They are a bad time. They are an embarrassment. The halftime shows are better. I didn't say that. The The tailgating's great. I'm, I'm still waiting. I bet the tailgating is better in Chicago than it is in Washington. It probably is, according to you. I don't know. I've never been to either, but I bet it is better. There's not a single person who would take the... Uh, uh, here, I'll give you a career record. I found that. Chicago Bears, 769, 591, and 42. Washington, 603, 603, 28. There's your on the field. I, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm uh, doing uh, producing on the fly here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Vanini, by the way, who was supposed to join us at 430, he's going to be pushed back just a bit. He's got a, uh, he's got, I'm sure uh, he's a another, busy man. Yeah, he's got just one more commitment that he, uh, w- Nearly forgot and needs to take care of quickly. So we're going to let him take care of that. And then we'll get Chris Vanini over on here to talk about the Bears and the Redskins. And uh, who is a better franchise? Can't wait for that one. <laughs> Bears receiver stinks. In terms of all-time passing leaders, all-time passing, all-time leaders, Bears statistics. The sad thing is Jay Cutler is the all-time passing leader for the Bears, and that's pathetic. <laughs> it is. He's terrible. Yeah. Okay, and then that's true. Okay, now, granted, uh, your Bears quarterback situation has been not great. Redskins quarterback situation has not been. Okay, so yeah, Doug Williams. Joe Theismann, uh, you had Mark Rippon, and then you had Alex Smith before Alex's horrible, uh, that, horrific oh. injury. I know. Hey, did you watch that documentary? Which one? The one on Alex Smith? I have not seen it. Oh, I heard dude, don't good. watch it. Is it bad? It, it's well, amazing, wait, have you seen, but it just makes you just, oh. Have you seen the similarities between his injury and Theismann's? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy yeah. how eerie it, same it they are. Dude, it sucks. Ah, oh, like the same yard line, the it score was the same. Horrible. Same end. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's awful. Ugh. Hey, by the way, 2776 uh, texted in and said, uh, just kidding, AJ. Because he realized that my argument was yeah, better sure. than yours. I'm sure. I have, so thank you, 2776. We're coming. I have the historical to your uh, senses. stats now that I can give you. <laughs> Historical. Hey, you had to Google your stats to. to, to yeah, because I remember the Bears' all-time winning record off the hey, top you're of so, my hey, head. Hey, look, you're the loyal Bears fan here, so go ahead there. I'm not even. <laughs> loyalty is a weird word in fandom because I think you can be 
you can be a fan and you can be biased. And I try not to be biased. I'll tell you right off the bat if my team stinks. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's true. You are really, yeah, you're fair, unbiased, and you give a very stone cold kind of take. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's hear some numbers really quickly, and then we'll go to break. Uh, so the all-time records I gave you: playoff record Bears seventeen and nineteen, Washington twenty-three and nineteen, uh, Super Bowls Washington's five appearances with three wins. Actually, two. I was wrong on that. Super Bowls Bears won two appearances. Championships in total, though nine Bears, five Washington. The the numbers I got to tell you the career numbers here for both franchises don't inspire a lot of hey, confidence. Hey, I got a question. What was the three uh, three champions? I know there was the Dolphins in seventy two when the Dolphins were seventeen and zero. They beat the Bills once in a Super Bowl. Washington. Yeah. What was the third Super Bowl for them? I cannot remember. I know. I'm pretty sure they have back to back because it's one of my favorite oh, Super Bowl oh, rings. Oh, it was the, the Broncos. Two feathers. They, when they throttled the Broncos, like it was over at halftime. They were up forty two to ten or something like that at half. Yeah. And just wiped them. Yeah. That's right. Okay, never mind. Gotcha. Uh the so all time passing leader for Washington's Theisman with twenty five thousand yards, hundred and sixty touchdowns. For the Bears, it's Cutler with twenty three thousand four hundred and forty three yards and hundred and fifty four touchdowns. Oh man. Which is ridiculous because I think we'd both agree Joe Theisman is by far and away a way better quarterback than Jay Cutler, but their numbers are yeah. like the exact same. Yeah. Uh, all-time rushing leader for Washington is Riggins, 7,400-plus yards. monster. 79 touchdowns. Oh, oh, that guy. But you know what? He benefited from a really, really, really yeah, good, good offensive, offensive line. line. There's a reason they call him the – what they dress, still dress up like hogs. I yeah, think the hogs. Uh, Walter Payton, obviously, for the Bears, who one and you time know was what? the all-time rushing he leader. He had a crappy offensive line. <laughs> and a bad offense. So I would give that to Walter Payton. More than John Riggins. This is pathetic. The all-time receiving leader for the Bears is Johnny Morris, who had 5,059 yards and 31 touchdowns. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Yeah, Randy Moss had 23 in one season. Right? 5,000 yards, oh, some of those man. top receivers. Like, I'm sure, uh, what's his name? Julio Jones, I'm sure, has done that in, like, three seasons in Atlanta. Who's the one for the Redskins? Mark Mosley, excuse me, ah, Art Monk, apologies, yeah. wrong one. He had 12,000 yards, much more respectable, 65 touchdowns. Still, okay, so like when we say those numbers, doesn't it kind of impress you what Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Chris Carter? Uh, Especially because they're still kind of pre this pass-happy league and the yeah. spread. Oh, big time. I think most people, I don't know, what do you got? You got, you got uh, what's-his-face from 49ers? Uh, crap. Greatest receiver of all time. Uh, Blanking his name. Jerry Rice. Yeah. What do you get? Rice, Moss. What's your order here? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, oh, so give me like people, a Mount right? Rushmore receivers. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, in order, it'd be Jerry Rice. Right. Randy Moss. Right. And no problem thus far. So this is where it gets tough. Yeah, I mean, this is where it really gets Harrison, hard. Harrison, Chris Carter. You know what? I'd put Marvin Harrison at third. I really, I, I think Marvin Very Harrison. professional route runner. Uh, Very professional receiver. That's not, like, who else is it? Because he, what, Larry Fitzgerald? You know what? Larry uh, would be up on that list. Because okay, people will say Terrell Owens, and I say no. My yeah. dad would agree with you. Uh, So I, I wouldn't put Terrell on the list. I wouldn't put, oh, man. And, you know, like Lynn Stallworth and, yeah. uh, and uh, what's his bucket? The other guy on the other, on the other side of the field for, from Lynn. Played Lynn, opposite side of Lynn the. Lynn Swan, right? Yeah, oh, Lynn Swan, sorry, and Lance Allworth, I believe, or Lance Stallworth or something like that. They're um, good. Yeah, they were really, really good. Hall of Fame receivers. Yeah. 
But I think they benefited. Is it, one of the, is it one of the current guys that hadn't retired yet? I mean, there's uh, more recent memory. What, you got Andre Calvin Johnson? Johnson would have been one of the great ones oh if he gosh. would have stuck around. Calvin Alfred Johnson. Brown, probably one of the most talented football players ever. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so Chris Vanini is ready to go. We're going to take a break, come back. We're going to talk some college football. Thank goodness. I AJ need some positive is news. all a Big Ten guy, and yeah. he's going to have some questions, and there's some worrisome about where college football sits, especially at Big Ten and SEC country. Where do they stand, and what will the status be like in week one? It's AJ Nott. I'm AJ South since the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Knight, AJ Salveson, the Full Court Press. Great, thrilled to have you along. Joining on 106 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh... Nice NFL argument discussion there. That was fun. A lot of fun. Need ne- needs to happen more often. <laughs> but it's time to go from the NFL to college football. We'll take I, not a backward step, but uh, I guess a one level below step and uh, talk some college football with one of the best to do it. Uh, it's uh, from the athletic Chris Vanini. I'm going to butcher that name too, and I just probably did Chris, and I'm really, really sorry, man. Please forgive me. No, you got it right. I tell you what. All the teachers got it wrong in elementary school growing up. But whenever I, but whenever I come on the radio these days, like everybody gets it right and they don't think they got it right. So it's like the reverse. <laughs> hey, Chris, thanks for your time, my man. Hope everything's going well where you are at. Hey, this college football situation, the status of it. How worried are you when Clemson, LSU, Texas A&M have these COVID nineteen positive tests coming up on these players? So I'm more worried than I was two weeks ago, but I, I think each situation kind of has different contexts. You know, we knew that players were going to test positive when they returned to campus. That was always going to happen. They were going to, they would have contracted it elsewhere. You know, they weren't always in a, a sterile environment. So players testing positive upon return to campus is not that big of a deal in terms of the big picture of this all. Uh, obviously, you don't want anybody to have it, but people were going to have it. The, the the concern comes when you're a few weeks into this now. When you're when you've got guys going through workouts, you you've got Kansas State shutting down because some guys contracted it at a party. You've got LSU where some guys contracted it because they went to a bar. You've got two people at USF contracted it a week into workouts. So that's where it gets concerning. I I think the big thing is. You know, where are we two, three weeks from now? If we're still having major outbreaks on these teams and they've been back on campus for a month, then I will start to really get concerned because the whole argument the schools were making was that we'll get them onto campus, into our buildings, they'll be in in a safer environment, we'll take care of them the right way, and they'll be safer, essentially, was the argument. And therefore, we will be able to play football. If that is not playing out to be the case, then we'll have some more questions. So. Not great right now, but I'm still a few weeks away from being fully concerned. On that subject, Chris, Ohio State made news uh, because they had it was leaked that they asked their players to sign a waiver and that there could be quote-unquote punishment if they didn't do basically, I think, everything in their power to try and avoid the COVID-19 um, situations in terms of social distancing. you think that's something that more teams, especially some of the higher-tier programs, will look at doing? 
Yeah, I, I, I think I'd be surprised if most schools weren't doing something like this. Now, I, I know like Ohio State and some schools have tried to just refer to it as a pledge. They're trying to say it's not legally binding. Some places like SMU have pretty detailed waivers. From what I've read from various stories, lawyers are kind of split on whether or not this could be legally enforceable. Um, and that, that kind of brings back the whole issue of this, why college sports coming back is so much different than the pro sports, because in the pro sports, they have a union, they bargain these things, it's a business, everybody's paid and it works out. When the kids don't have any real power in the situation, uh, schools will try to do things like this. And, you know, it, I, I, I get the idea that, hey, you want to tell kids not to go to the bar because something like will have happened, happened. But you don't have a lot of schools that are publicly saying, if a kid doesn't want to come back to campus because he's not safe, we're going to hold He's going to keep his scholarship. Now, a few schools have, but I feel like if that was really happening, you'd have a lot of schools being very public about this. But nobody wants to do that because they want their kids back on campus because they want to play football because it drives everything that comes in an athletic department. So college sports is in a much more difficult spot with this stuff. Uh, Chris, with the situation uh, is what it is, with in the future, if they decide to play just all conference games uh, based on the, the risk, what do independents like Notre Dame and BYU do? Yeah, that's kind of yet to be seen because, you know, I, the, a lot of the independents, the armies, the, 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 the UMasses, the New Mexico States, the Liberties, they play each other. So if, Worst comes to worst, and like nobody's playing conference games. I mean, first of all, you got Notre Dame, and schools are not going to want to cancel their games with Notre Dame, especially if it's a home game. That that's that's a big deal for all of them. But let's just say we get to a situation where that happens, and all the independents are on their own. I imagine that they would schedule each other, maybe play each other twice if they had to. I mean, New Mexico State and Liberty have played twice. Uh, I think the last two years because they 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 needed to find some games for their schedule. So. I, it, it's doable. It's it's certainly not ideal, but I think a school maybe like a Notre Dame might be in better shape, and maybe even a BYU too. Uh, Oregon is supposed to get Ohio State in Autzen Stadium in Week Two. How big of a deal would it be, even though if they were to get Ohio State, but have no fans? Yeah, that's you know that's an interesting part of this because how much is a home field advantage really going to be worth? Probably not as much, you know. Whether or not fans are going to be there, I don't know. Different states have said different things. I remain a bit skeptical because e even if you have 20,000, 30,000 fans, you're going to need to make sure everybody's masked. You're going to have to make sure the concourses aren't packed at, at halftime or before the game or after the game. Are you going to limit the stadium to certain parts with fans? Are you going to stagger the entrances? Are you going to stagger when they can leave? What happens if there's a lightning delay? Everybody needs to go hang out on the concourse. So these are a lot of the logistic things that have yet to be worked out. Um, I, I think right now most people are just focused on whether or not they're going to play first. With that being the case, Chris, uh, do you think someone like Oregon, as AJ pointed out, getting Ohio State in Week 2, obviously that would have been a huge money draw. It's a premier game. It was going to be on television. If fans aren't allowed to attend that, is that something where Oregon goes back to Ohio State and we see maybe a renegotiation of those home-and-home -home deals, or is it just kind of that you missed out and that's how it's going to be? I'm not sure because, you know, we've looked at contracts. You know, my colleague Nicole Auerbach and I have looked at contracts if games get canceled. Sometimes there's things called force majeure clauses 
Whether or not there's fans, though, I'm not totally sure how that would work uh, financially. It's a good question. I mean, we, we've we've wondered if games get canceled, how that's going to affect contracts. But the game going forward, but without fans, I would imagine it probably wouldn't change much. It would just kind of be unfortunate on, on the home team's end. How much uh, uh, control or influence is the NCAA as a whole having in this whole process? Since obviously COVID, as you mentioned with the, the stadiums and fans, it's kind of a state-by-state state thing. Are they kind of just leaving the power up to the schools themselves to figure out based on what their situation is? Are they trying to come up with something to kind of uniform this all? That's the problem, is that the NCAA doesn't really have that kind of power here because it goes state to state. And, the, you know, the NCAA doesn't really have the power to demand schools do certain amount of testing. Some schools may not even be – some schools can afford a lot more than others as well. So there isn't a national standard, and that's going to be a question come the season. If, if, one, if you're playing a team that doesn't have as good a testing procedures and is maybe in a hot spot – are you not going to want to travel there? Or are you not going to want them to travel to you? That's something that I think some schools are going to have to face at some point, uh, whether or not they want to play these games. It's, it's probably going to come up at some point, and some schools are going to have to make some decisions. Chris Fanini of The Athletic called Football Writer does an incredible job. Uh, he's got a really good article on a referee story. I, I, we'll have to get to that here in just a bit. It's time to talk some on-the-field football. And Clemson has been this dynasty that looks just unshaken, and Trevor Lawrence has been at the head of it. Uh, is Clemson, again, that team to beat? Or can Alabama, LSU, or these other teams, I guess uh, LSU is one of those other teams is, who can have a shot to maybe knock, uh, knock Clemson off their crown? LSU will be interesting. They're in a tough spot to repeat because they lost. I think they had they tied the record for draft picks in a single draft this year, mm-hmm. and they lost both their coordinators and, and a lot of the staff. Joe Burrow turned Joe Burrow and Joe Brady together, the offense coordinator. They may have been a, a, a kind of a once in a generation tandem. You know, Joe Burrow broke almost every passing record there was, so that's probably not going to happen again. But Clemson will be there. Ohio State will be there. Alabama will probably be there. And after that, it's, it's a mix of teams. Maybe an Oklahoma, maybe an LSU, maybe a Georgia, uh, maybe an Oregon. Um, so I, I think we're going to again see the same handful of teams at the top, but uh, kind of the way college football is right now. Uh, about the college football, I don't, and I don't know if you have any insight in this. Do you think that, because I'm with you, uh, up until this point I've been – pretty confident the last couple of weeks have made me a little bit more shaky. If this continues to go this way with the pandemic, do you think the NFL could see an influx of players who decide to just jump in the supplemental draft as opposed to risking not having a college football season at all? That seems likely. I haven't heard that from, from anybody. I don't even know when the supplemental draft is. The best uh, I could find is it says maybe July. Yeah, it looks like uh, last year it was in July. So it's I, I find it unlikely because a lot of those guys are not eligible for it. Um, you'd, be, you'd be looking at people who are mostly rising seniors, I guess. Um, and, and if they didn't have it, if they didn't feel they had a chance to get drafted before, they probably wouldn't. Now the question is if we can't do football in the fall and if 
everything gets pushed back to the spring, then what happens? Then you have the season coinciding with the draft. You might have a lot of star players who are NFL eligible not playing. That's a whole other can of worms that, that hopefully we don't have to get down to yet. But as it relates to the supplemental draft, I would be, I'd be very surprised. Maybe, maybe a kid or two, but uh, so far it's, it's not something I'm, I'm, I'm seeing hearing much of. With the G5 teams not being invited to the college football playoff because of lack of scheduling or for one reason or another, do you feel like it's time to expand the playoff or you like it at four? No, I, I want to expand it. And I, I think we're going to get there. The, 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 the feeling among the people who used to be there or are there are clearly more open to that than they were a few years ago. I think a large part of that is when UCF goes undefeated two years in a row and doesn't even get a shot. Everybody knows that was kind of r- ridiculous. And the other part is it would probably be worth more money. And I think the fact that we're seeing the same handful of teams every year is another reason to do that. The fact that mm. the Pac-12 has been left out however many years in a row now, that's not good for the sport of college football. You need – college football has always been regional. You need teams in every region of the country – who have a shot at the playoffs. And if the Pac-12 knows that they don't have a shot, that, that, that there's nobody in their league that, that really has a shot that's worth looking at, that's going to affect interest in the sport out there. Big Ten's been had been cut off a couple years before Ohio State made it this year. So it, it, for the long-term health of the game, I really think they need to you, – you give it to the, to the Power Five conference champions, you give, it, you give one spot to a group of five, and you give two wild card spots. That makes the regular season mean just mean just as much because you're going to have these big games that make the conference championship mean something. You see, Ohio State, Alabama just announced the playoff series, however many years down the road, because the playoff allows you, the playoff gives you some wiggle room. You can lose a game and still make the playoff. And if you expand it, if you expand it again, it's going to give more incentive to play those. Ohio State-Alabama games or the Ohio State-Texas games, and that will continue to make the college football regular season feel more important. That's more important than, oh, no, we can't lose a single game or we're done. You need big games. Attendance is down. That's why these schools are scheduling these games. I think for the long-term health of the sport, it would be beneficial if the playoff expanded to eight and only to eight. So, uh, Chris, more often than not, I think most people would agree the SEC is the best football conference from top to bottom more i think they're very top heavy who do you think is the second conference i'm from big 10 country i, I like to think that they're pretty much they're got to be close with penn state michigan and um you know wisconsin but obviously clemson has a lot to say for the acc in a down conference who's the second best conference to you yeah i i think it's got to be the big 10 i mean even, although i do think ohio state is a good step ahead of everybody else in that league Penn State is solid. They've made, I think, three straight New Year's Six games. Michigan is solid. There's, Wisconsin is solid. Iowa's solid. Um, Wisconsin, I think, you know, got teams that go to the Rose Bowl and go to other New Year's Six games. The problem is the ACC is a one-team league. It's just Clemson. The Big 12 is Oklahoma. And then some oh, Big 12's got depth, but you need your top teams to be your top teams and Texas has not been there really much uh, over the past decade outside of a year or two here. The Pac-12 has been up and down. It's had some good years, but the problem is it's, what, three years in a row, I think. They've missed the playoff. Hmm. That really hurts the image of a league. 
Um, so I got to say it's the Big Ten at number two. Uh, Chris, year or I guess year one of stint two for Gary Anderson at Utah State was a roller coaster that ended in major disappointment. What do you see out of the Aggies this year with the loss of Jordan Love, Tepanalier, and David Woodward? Yeah, they. I mean, they talk about losing some star power, and even on you lose your quarterback and you lose a lot on the defensive side of the ball as well. So it, it's going to be a real. I'm curious to see. You know, last year I know they brought in like more than 50 kids into the program. I, I think. I'm curious what that depth looks like now with, with those guys having a year. I know they got what four guys competing for the starting quarterback job. That's that's where it always starts. But uh, yeah, it was a disappointing finish. But you know, Utah State was contending for the Mountain West Championship deep into the season, um, even if things didn't end up playing out the way they wanted. So it was it ended up a disappointment. Uh, I, I get, but uh, I still think there's a chance that they can turn things around. It's interesting because the Mountain West. Half the league has new head coaches. Yeah. I mean, I know getting Gary Anderson, I know it's his second stint he's been in the league, but his second year in the program. You've got tons of teams in that league. Hawaii was in the championship game last year. They have a new program. San Diego, a new coach. San Diego State won, what, 10 games last year. They got a new coach. So there's, there's a real opportunity, I think, in, in the Mountain West for a lot of teams to make some moves. Chris, uh, personally, I'm uh, curious. Uh, Ajay started out asking about scheduling-wise for independents if they decide to go with the Just Conference thing. I know Notre Dame, obviously, is a big enough brand that they've been able to kind of skirt the issue, and even they made the agreement with the ACC on kind of the limited joining. Do you think at some point, with maybe more potential expansion, that the league is going to sh- uh, move away from these independents? It seems like, in other sports, maybe more so, but it seems like it hurts you not to have a chance to play in that conference championship game specifically. Well, most of these independents outside of Notre Dame, BYU, and I guess Army would rather be in a conference. I mean, New Mexico State would like to be in the Mountain Western Conference USA. UMass surely would love to be in the American. Um, Liberty has offered, reportedly offered big payments to get into Conference USA or the Sun Belt, and they were turned down. So th- those teams would like to be in there. Now, UConn, I know they left the American. That was largely a basketball and other sports move to get back into the Big East, which doesn't have football. So I, I, it, the teams that are independents generally aren't there by desire. I mean, it, it's certainly a way to survive. They, they do not want to drop down to FCS like Idaho did a few years ago. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not the ideal place to be but it's, it's still better than being an FCS for the time being. So, you know, they'd love to, most of those schools would love to join a conference, but those conferences are not looking to get too bloated either. Uh, final question for me, Chris, how fun was that article to write on the beef ref? That's still, those stories are just absolutely awesome. Yeah. I wrote a story like two years ago about Mike Defee, kind of known as beef ref or muscles ref, the, the, the big guy. He, he, it's so I, good. I went to a, I went to a, uh, it was a story a couple years ago about kind of what it's like to be a ref. And I went to a referee clinic here in, in Dallas and he led a lot of it. And I talked to him uh, quite a bit for that story. And he told me a lot of stories that just didn't fit in my story. And I, I wish I could have, but just some, some fun stuff. Like, you know, he, he lives outside of Houston, Texas near Beaumont. He's got a ranch uh, five or six hours away. He bought a plane and, and got himself a pilot's license so he could fly out there and, and, and go hunting on his ranch more often um uh, he 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 doesn't wear certain colors of clothing when he's on the road because he doesn't want any fan to think he's 
favoring one team or the other. So when when he announced when he announced well he didn't announce it, but a referee site reported that he was retiring. I still had his contact information. So I called him up and talked to him about what it was like to retire, uh, why he was deciding to retire. He's going to join Walt Anderson in the NFL to help train officials there. Um, he had actually gotten very close to becoming an NFL ref a number of years ago, but then that referee strike happened, if you remember that. Yeah. And so by the time by the time things came got back in order, he had already been on the higher end of kind of the age bracket that they want. So he had kind of pretty much aged out of it at that point. So he figured he wanted to do, figured he would do a few, few more years of college football. And then the big 12 Mountain West people kind of wanted to split up his crew because they were doing such a good job. So he figured this would be a good time to, to jump onto something else. So it was a lot of fun to talk to. He's a really interesting guy. And I've, I've got that story pinned at the top of my, of my Twitter profile. It's awesome. It's really, really good stuff. You can find him at Chris Vanini on Twitter. And like you said, he has a story pinned on the top of his account. Can't miss it. It's it's a must read. Chris, uh, speaking of pleasure to uh, people to talk with, you've been one of them. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you, Chris. And uh, you're one of the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Stay safe. That's Chris Vanini of The Athletic. Talks uh, college football. Is one of, again, one of the best writers to do so, too. He has really, really good insight, really good stuff here close to the tracks. Makes me nervous because I'm what he said is exactly the same way I was feeling because we were talking about it with some people last two weeks ago. Yeah. And, and you and I, you made a bet on it, and I said, I feel very comfortable at football. And as, as Chris said, you know, it's his most recent weeks. It has him a little bit skeptical. It's still early, but, oh, boy, I, mm, we need football season. Yeah, absolutely. We do. And the university's needed, too, just for income. We're going to take a break, come back, wrap up the show, put a pretty bow on it, and call it a night. We'll get you ready for a midweek Wednesday show. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Dodge Southson, and Knight. I about said Eric Franson. I about did it. I did not. You're welcome. You are so welcome. Thank you. For not, hey, just about not just calling me the wrong name. Seventy seconds left in the show. Uh, AJ, been a good show. Been a good show. Thanks to Chris Vanini for joining us. That was yes. really good stuff. Well, after his uh, report, percentage wise, how confident are you going to have a full college football season right now? Less than fifty percent. Really? That's yeah, less than fifty percent. Uh, talking to a couple of people, they, uh, they, like, and it's funny because three weeks ago they were like. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have a full it's like season. It's, it's the Rob Manfred thing again. <laughs> we'll have baseball. Just kidding. It's Just on kidding. Pause. And then really, like, three weeks later, it's like, uh, I'm not sure we're going to have baseball or football. Like They they just don't. They're not confident. Uh, right now, at this very week, we're not confident. But then, AJ, in a week or two, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to have a 12-week crossed. season. So it's just going to be back and forth. It's really going to probably be until mid-July yeah. that we know that we're going to have a season. And so uh, it's, it's sketchy. It's scary. Um, universities need it just as bad as anybody does. Yes. They understand that because they need the money. $1.5 million comes from Washington. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right, tomorrow, Wednesday show, we'll get you on more NBA news, some MLB talk, and more on the Full Court Press. For AJ Knight, Chris Vanini, I'm AJ Salison. Good night, everybody.